Hello Concordia family, it is good to be with you once again. Today is Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. When we were able to get together for chapel on campus, our practice had been that on the first Thursday of the month we would follow an order of worship called Matins. Now Matins is simply a Latin term translated of the morning and is a liturgy with a long history in the church. It utilizes a way to call the community to begin their day formed and shaped by scripture and prayer. For some, that practice meant using it at midnight as a new day was breaking. We're not going to hold to that pattern strictly necessarily here, but today, in addition to hearing the word of God preached, the prayer is that we would also be shaped by God's word as we speak it, pray it, and sing it. A link to a document has been included that you can use to follow along as we go through this. May we be blessed in this time together as our day is shaped, as we are shaped by God's word. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father.
and the Holy Spirit. O come, let us worship Him. As we make our way through Mark during this Lenten journey, we continue our Thursday series where we've been taking a look at texts that highlight various adversaries of Jesus in the midst of his ministry. Today hits maybe a little close to home as uh, it reflects on our sinful nature. So the reading today comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I Advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is put away. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. As we dig deeper into God's word, especially that text from Mark chapter 7, we are blessed uh, to have with us today Professor Glenn Fluge. Well, the coronavirus has got me acting rather strangely. Yesterday, I got up the courage and ventured out of our self-quarantine house to buy some much-needed groceries for the family. 
Upon entering the grocery store, I grabbed the cleanest grocery cart I could find and then proceeded to wipe off the handle with the alcohol wipes they provided. Okay, in all honesty, I didn't just casually wipe it down. I scrubbed the thing hard. Better safe than sorry, I thought. As I was pushing my cart down the aisle to lay claim to my coveted two-gallon limit of milk and one small pack of overpriced butter, a little old lady started down the same aisle coming toward me. What was I to do? The aisle is barely six feet wide. I did what I could. I quickly veered to the left, my cart brushing up against and knocking some cans of corn off the shelf. As we passed one another, I found myself turning my head to the side and holding my breath. I suppose in some last-ditch effort to avoid any inadvertent respiratory droplets coming my way. When I finally reached the fridge door, I carefully opened it with the jacket sleeve over my hand and grabbed that precious milk and butter, adding it to my cart. I then continued my shopping deliberately, maintaining a safe social distance from any other shoppers who came my way. Fortunately, I was able to find most of the items on my list. Although I inwardly cringed each time I picked up an item, wondering if it might by chance be tainted, I came to grips with the rather unsettling fact that my hands were likely contaminated. But that was okay, as long as I didn't let them go anywhere near my face. My shopping finally over, I was standing in the checkout line, carefully maintaining my six feet distance from the others in line when it happened. I developed a severe itch right below my nose and just above my mouth. What was I to do? I wrinkled up my nose and pursed my lips and all to no avail. Even running my arm over my face did little to satisfy the craving. So I did the unthinkable. I held my breath and scratched that itch with a trembling and surely contaminated hand right in the middle of the two most vulnerable spots on the human body, the mouth and the nose. I finished checking out, hurried to my car, and quickly drove home. As soon as I pulled in the driveway, I ran inside and washed my hands and face for a good minute with warm water and soap, just as the CDC recommends. Then I took a handful of Lysol alcohol wipes and wiped off the faucet handle and the front door handle before heading outside and scrubbing down the steering wheel of the car. When I came back inside, my wife asked me what I was doing. A bit out of breath, I told her I was protecting myself from outside contamination. We have to assume that everything out there is contaminated, I told her. I don't want to get sick. She replied a bit sarcastically, Glenn, have you ever thought that maybe you're already infected and might be spreading it to others? Maybe you're the source of contamination. Hmm. Well, I guess I hadn't thought of that. What she said caused a reversal in the way I was viewing things. Rather than it being an outside-in thing, it now became an inside-out thing. Hmm. Well, after my precarious trip to the grocery store, I sat down to write my sermon for chapel and read through the text that was assigned to me, Mark chapter 7, verse 14 to 23. As I was reading, it dawned on me that in this text, Jesus is teaching a similar reversal in the way we view things. This isn't unusual. Jesus seems to always be proclaiming a kind of topsy-turvy way of thinking. 
influenced by popular opinion, we think it's surely one way, but then Jesus comes proclaiming it's precisely the other way. And so we see him doing the same thing here in Mark chapter 7. He has just rebuked the Pharisees and scribes for accusing his disciples of contaminating themselves by neglecting to wash their hands after visiting the market, apparently because they would most likely touch items that had come into contact with the unclean, tainted Gentiles. Eating with unwashed hands would mean introducing that uncleanness into the body and contaminating oneself. You see, the Pharisees and scribes and many at that time believed that a person became contaminated from the outside in. But Jesus goes on to teach a topsy-turvy way of thinking about that. Do you not understand, he says? It's not what goes into a person from the outside that contaminates them. But rather, we're already contaminated from within. We're already disease-ridden all the way down to the heart, such that what comes out from within us are evil thoughts, sexual immorality, and theft, and murder, and adultery, and coveting, and deceit, and envy, and slander, and pride, and all other sorts of vile and evil things. You see, what we're dealing with here is not an outside-in problem, but rather an inside-out one. And that's a much more serious problem. You can't get rid of it by simply washing your hands, no matter how hard or long you scrub with warm water and soap or how many alcohol wipes you use. In fact, this inside-out problem is a disease with a 100% infection rate. There's no avoiding it, no matter how much you might self-quarantine. Every single one of us has been infected by it from conception. In fact, it's a hereditary disease inherited from our parents, Adam and Eve, so long ago on that fated day in the Garden of Eden when they rebelled against God. And we with them ever since. Moreover, the mortality rate? Well, the results of the research are in 100%. It's not a matter of if you will die. It's simply a matter of when. This is an epidemic of death. So what's the solution? Well, whereas most people, rather wrongly, see the problem as an outside-in thing, rather ironically, they also tend to think the solution must be an inside-out solution. In other words, they get it backwards on both counts. If the problem comes from the outside, they think, then the solution must come from the inside. So, for instance, it seems to me that the commonly agreed-upon solution in our society nowadays is to emphasize the inherent goodness of all human beings. Yes, we do some bad things, we might admit, but overall, human beings are basically good down deep inside. So the solution becomes one of reminding ourselves of our own goodness, to urge us to do those good things from the goodness of our own hearts. But I wonder... If that's a real solution, then why isn't it working? Why, for instance, are we still dying? Why haven't we gotten rid of that ancient enemy? Or if that's not convincing enough, why aren't we collectively and progressively getting better as a world? The last hundred years alone has witnessed some of the greatest devastations and atrocities the world has ever known. 800,000 Tutsis killed in Wanda. Two million 
die in communist takeover in Cambodia, 6 million Jews systematically slaughtered during the Holocaust, 10 million intentionally starved to death in the Ukrainian famine, an estimated 65 million Chinese die under Mao Zedong. And that's not to mention the 100 million or so people killed in the two deadliest wars recorded in history, and the list could go on. No, I think the solution that assumes we're good down deep inside is no real solution at all. Rather, we need an outside-in solution for this inside-out problem. That's the only solution that will work. If you'll allow the analogy, limited though it be, we need a vaccine or a medicine that comes from the outside to eradicate the disease within. And that's what Jesus gives us. When the crowd asks him in dismay, what, who then can be saved? Jesus replies in no uncertain terms, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So God acts in a topsy-turvy kind of way. He sets out to heal a world infected by an epidemic of death. He sends his son purely uncontaminated, untainted, and in fact wholly immune to the deadly disease. Uninfected, he had no reason to die. Death had no claim on him. Yet he takes upon himself our disease and dies in our place. And we, the infected, are healed. We get life. That's God's outside-in solution for our inside-out problem. You know, the mortality rate of the disease was 100%. But now, for the vaccinated, the immortality rate of what Jesus has done is also 100%. What a vaccine that is. In Jesus' name, amen.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, hear my prayer, and let my cry come to you. O holy and most merciful God, you have taught us the way of your commandments. And by your Son Jesus, you have also taught us that out of our hearts comes all evil and sin. We implore you to pour out your grace into our hearts. Cause it to bear fruit in us, that being ever mindful of your mercies and your laws, we may always be directed to your will and daily increase in love towards you and one another. Enable us to resist all evil and to live a godly life. Help us to follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to walk in his steps until we shall possess the kingdom that has been prepared for us in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. God's richest blessings be with you the rest of your day. I am so thankful to have had the opportunity to be with you today. And I eagerly look forward to being able to be with you tomorrow as once again we can gather together in God's word. Until then, have a great day in Christ.